Greetings in Jesus' name. I'm Bishop Chester Wright, and this is the video teaching series, God's Love for Us. And uh, this is Lesson 7, and the, the, uh, the subject or the title of this uh, lesson is The Constancy of God's Love. And as I have been doing, I will be referring to not only the King James, but uh, periodically to other, to other translations uh, as we go through this. Uh, there is so much in this uh, uh, 11 verses that uh, I'm going to be reading first uh, that it would be impossible to teach the, all of this in, uh, in, in uh, 24 hours, not counting approximately a half hour, which will be the scope of this lesson. But we'll let the Holy Ghost choose what he talks about and uh, see where we go from there. Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse uh, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also Freely give us all things. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Now in this lesson, which is going to be part one of the constancy of God's love, I want to focus just uh, on those uh, last two verses and then we will come back and we will work our way through the verses that gets us to those last two verses and why God's love is absolute, so absolute and so trustworthy. And so uh, let me read those two verses uh, in uh, the Amplified. Verse 38 uh, Romans eight thirty eight. For I am persuaded beyond doubt, am sure, beyond doubt, that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things impending and threatening, nor things to come, nor powers, uh, nor height, nor depth, nor any 
nothing else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then finally, we expanded translation of those two verses says, For I have come through a process of, pers- of persuasion to the settled conclusion that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor power uh, nor, nor things pre- nor principalities nor things present nor things uh, about to come nor powers nor height or depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, what what uh, I I I, I, w- I want to read these this one phrase again uh, in um, in all three translations. It's the first part of verse thirty eight. King James says, "For I am persuaded." The Amplified says, "For I am persuaded beyond doubt. I am sure that." And then finally, we says. For I have come through a process of persuasion to the settled conclusion that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. So the constancy of God's love is actually based upon uh, the whole Bible, of course, and the character of God, but it's also, especially in the context of these, le- this, cu- this next couple of lessons, it's based on the, uh, on the things that especially, uh, are in Romans 8, or well, the book of Romans especially, all the way from Romans 1 through 7, and then beginning in, beginning with Romans 8, there is no con, there is now therefore no condemnation in the image of Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit, all the way through what it means to walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. And then you're not in the spirit, in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of Christ dwell in you. If any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And then we've all been adopted as his sons. And we're waiting for the Holy Ghost to manifest the sons of God in the earth. The whole creation is groaneth waiting for that. And then uh, Paul talks about uh, the Spirit of God praying through us in verses 26 and 27. And then we get down to the verse that I started reading with today. Uh, that we are, we and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. So this process that is there and also the process that I will be speaking of in uh, the next couple of lessons on the uh, the uh, the constancy of God's love in the next couple of parts uh, that that that's all based on this that's all the basis of this of our confidence in the constancy of God's love but for this next few minutes let's just talk about for the next few minutes uh, just exactly how constant God's love is. Now, I am, I am persuaded that neither death nor life. Now, this Hebrews chapter 2 says that Christ was manifested to, to set us free because we have been, all men have been in bondage all of their lives to the fear of death. And he came to destroy death 
so that we would not fear death, meaning he has the power or the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And so that's why Paul could say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Because death is no longer a threat to mankind. Christ died first. Christ died first so that we can be assured that if we are in Him, we, we are, we will be resurrected. In fact, Jesus said it this way with such certainty. Those that believe in me shall never die. Shall never die. Well, if that's the case, then everybody that's dead, nobody that's dead is it was saved. So what was he saying? The certainty that he had that those that were in him would simply be passing from this life to a much better life in him, that, that we wouldn't even lose consciousness in that, that even though we would leave this body just like he did, that we are certain to be resurrected and to be ta- taken into uh, his presence in, 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 in a place of peace and joy waiting for the rapture if we die before the rapture and to be caught up together as the dead in Christ, resurrected first. The first to be called will be the dead in Christ because it's a... You know, the, the alive, all they, uh, they have to do is just go from where they are. The dead, you know, all the molecules of the body of the dead that all have their DNA on it and exist somewhere in some form throughout the world, including if somebody falls in the ocean and their body gets eaten and then the, 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 the fish that eat it, uh, pass it through their system and it gets deposited all over the earth, or all over the ocean, whatever it would be. A person that gets blown to smithereens is a really old word. Terrible. That's, you know, or a person that's burned, whether, uh, accidentally or in cremation. All, every molecule of my body that has my DNA attached to it, and God knows where every piece of it is, and he's going to bring all that back together. Well, that, you know, uh, he can do things in a moment twinkling of an eye. No question about that. But it's a second process to bring all that together. Even if a person died and they just uh, decayed in the ground. The Bible says ashes are going to go back to ashes. Dust is going to go back to dust from whence it came. So the dead, even if they've been embalmed. All right, they're not alive, and they need some resurrecting going on. They need some resurrecting, and so the bottom line is uh, that that first step of the process for the day, they all come back together, and then those are uh, and they are given a glorified body once their body is uh, is all back together, and we're going to be given instantaneously a glorified body. And we're going off the earth, so death is not a threat. You can't threaten me with heaven. And it is not the will of God for the people of God to fear death. Why? Because of the certainty, the constancy, and our confidence in God's love for us. There is no fear in love. 1 John 4, 
17, 18, I think it is. There is no fear in love, verse 18. There is no fear in love. Because perfect or completed mature love casts, casts out all fear. The love of God does not coexist with the fear of death or the fear of man or the fear of the devil or the fear of this world. And if I have fear, I don't have love mature in me. I may have some degree of the love of God, but it's not mature love that is supposed to bring me to this place in God where I have this confidence I'm going to be saved. Amen. Now, let me go a little bit farther here. I I think I've talked about that enough for now. Nor life. Well, why would life keep me from the love of God? Well, if I love the world, the love of the Father is not in me. And I live this life in the world. 1 John chapter 2, verses 14, 15, 16. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The love, love of the world is the lust of the flesh. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, pride of life, uh, is, is of the world and not of the Father. And the world passes away, uh, but he, uh, but he that it doeth the will of the Father, uh, shall endure forever. And that's not the exact quote, but it's pretty close. Go look it up. <laughs> so, life, can't keep me from the love of God unless I choose to love the, this world and love this life more than I do the love of God and Him and believing He loves me. If this world is more of a priority to me than this life, then I choose. The world can't take the love of God from me and can't keep me from knowing I'm loved. But if I choose the world and I choose my life in this world over the love of God, then I separate me from the love of God. Because you see, the one thing that is not listed in this list of things that can't separate me from the love of God is me. I'm the only one that can separate me from the love of God. And I have to choose or make choices that are indicative of my desire to not have the love of God. And in some future lessons here, we will, we will do several lessons from different scriptures showing that if I have the love of God, my love from, uh, the, my love of God was going to cause my desire to be toward God, toward the Word of God, and I'm going to want to love God by keeping His Word. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So the, own, the, the love of God is so constant that nothing outside of me can separate me from the love of God. But I can. I can This life can't separate me from it unless I choose this life over my life in God. This world can't keep me from it unless I choose loving the world where I'm living this life over loving the Father. Let's think about that a little bit so we go a little farther. There is this supernatural kingdom 
There's a supernatural dimension that while we can't see it, it exists. The supernatural exists because if the supernatural doesn't exist, God doesn't exist because God is a spirit. God is supernatural. And so if, if there is a God, there is a supernatural dimension. But in that supernatural dimension, God created angels. Now, one third of those angels rebelled against God and were kicked out of heaven. And so when he says, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, he is speaking there of, of not only God's angels, but Lucifer, now Satan's angels, because those are levels of authority in the supernatural kingdom. <coughs> you know, that the devil made me do it. That is one of the excuses for people who don't want to take accountability for themselves, for their lives. If the devil made you do it, that's because you gave him control over it. You chose to listen to what he said and do what he said. He couldn't make you do anything. He can't make us do anything. So the promise of God is that they don't have the authority nor the power. Principality is uh, power. Powers there is the Greek word for exousia, which is authority. So that supernatural kingdom, and not not just the supernatural kingdom, but the the uh, 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 the authority or the powers and the authorities of that supernatural kingdom, whether it's God's angels or the fallen angels, they cannot separate us from the love of Christ. They can't do it. Nor things present. Now that's a pretty all-encompassing statement there, isn't it? The things present. Things present. These things present means everything that's happening in the present. Everything that's happening in my life personally, physically, mentally, emotionally, because I may call that inside of me, but it's all the temporal relation, temporal expression, or, or the parts of me that express myself to the temporal, my mind, my my uh, uh, my heart. I don't want to go into the depth of that, but uh, <laughs> uh, my inner man has two basic parts. We call it the mind. And the heart. The mind is the part of my inner man that relates to this world. And the heart is the part of my inner man where the human spirit is that relates to the supernatural dimension of God. But in my heart, both of these are parts of my soul, my inner man. And so I, my heart can lust after the things of this world rather than after God. My heart can long for those things. In my soul, where my will is, you know, I get input in my soul through my mind. And most of the stuff we deal with, most of the time, is our present. Now, the word past isn't here. Because these verses presume 
that you and I have already dealt with our past. Not only forgiving all the grudges that we may have had by his grace, not only by his grace repenting of all of our sins, but also by his grace letting him help us to uh, to be delivered from shame, which is self-blame. And it's the root cause of all negative feelings about myself. There's no such thing as self-worth, self-esteem. That's ego. That's pride. That's arrogancy. But the love I have for myself that comes from God's love for me and the revelation of his love that tells me how much he loves me and the value that he put on me that I was worth so much to him that if I'd have been the only human in the world that needed the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, he would have done that for me. That's how much I'm worth to him. That's how much you are worth to him. That's how much you're worth. And so, with that being the case, we're going to look at the verse in more detail in the next lesson or so. But And we know that all things work together for good. Everything in this present life is allowed in the will of God. Why? Because everything that happens in the will of God works toward fulfilling the word of God. And there are some things that happen to us in the will of God that we don't consider bad. And there are things that happen to us in the will of God that God cannot do to us because they're evil. But he allows them to happen to us just like he allowed the princes of this world to crucify the Christ. God can't get, couldn't crucify Christ. Crucifixion is murder. That's what Peter said is true. God is not a murderer. Satan is a murderer and the father of them. So God could not crucify the man Christ Jesus. But it was the will of God, according to Acts 2 and 4 and other places, said very specifically that Christ died in the will of God. So the circumstances that brought about his crucifixion, all of those things were the will of God because they fulfilled the word of God. And there are things that are happening in your life and in my life have happened, are happening, and will happen. And all of those things, even the things I don't call good, but God calls good because they work together for good. They may not be good. They may be painful, disappointing, hurtful. Uh, there may be all kind of negative feelings with them. But God says they work for my good because they are working in me and in you the fulfillment of the word of God. So they're all the will of God. That's why we're supposed to give thanks in everything. We're supposed to give thanks for everything. Because our Father has done some things and He's allowed some things. And whether He's the one doing it or He's simply allowing it to be done in His will, it's all for the purpose of fulfilling the Word of God in our lives. And why is that so awesome? Because it's all based on His love for me. And His love for me, His love for you, is His motive for everything. 
And his motive is love. He loves us. Praise God. Nor life, nor death, nor any other creature, nor things present, nor things to come. This is where fear comes in. Fear and love don't abide together. Because fear has torment. And it's those things that are to come. That we don't know all the details and we don't know what's going to happen. That wants to steal God's love from us. But it can only happen if I allow it. And if I am living in fear, I am choosing to not have confidence in the love of God. Both now and in my future. Not just my future, but the future of my family the future of the church I'm a part of, and the future of this world. And then he said, uh, nor height nor depth, no matter how high you go in whatever or how low you go, no matter how high you get elevated, no matter how low you get humbled, as long as you choose to trust the Father in either one of those, not take the credit for how high you go, not take the blame for how low you go, don't give you give the God the credit. He's in control. He knows what's best. He's doing this for me. So whether he takes me to heights or takes me to depths, they can't separate me the love from the love of God unless my faith, which will be reflected in my attitude, says that I have given up on the love of God because he didn't give me what I wanted like I wanted when he wanted when I wanted it, how I wanted it. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature. There is no not, no living thing in this entire world that can separate me from the love of God. A tree falling on my car in a storm. Or on my house in a storm. Right. Right. A car accident. A, uh, a sickness, a disease. A tiny virus that you can't see and I can't see. That with all your precautions, somehow, it got on your hand, you touched your face, and it found its way inside, and here you've got it. And even with it in there, you don't know what kind of symptoms you're going to have. And you may not have any symptoms at all. Or you may get sick. And if you get sick, you may die or you may get well and completely recover. We don't know about these things. There is no living thing that can separate us from the love of God, including the virus that's caused this pandemic. So am I trusting the love of God or fearing the pandemic and the one behind it? Which am I doing? Nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. And as many as have been, Galatians 3.27, as many as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And if that's the case, then uh, if I've been baptized into Christ, and and again, Paul said Romans 8, 1, uh, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are, to them which are in Christ Jesus. 
who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit, then uh, I can't be separated if I'm in Christ and I choose to stay in Christ and Christ is in me by his spirit because the spirit of Christ, the love of God, the, the love, the, the spirit of God is shed abroad in my heart. Uh, the love of God shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto me. So if I choose to stay in God and I choose to continue to allow God to be in me, then nothing can separate me from the love of God, the love of Christ. There's not two different loves, folks. One love. Because Christ and God, Christ is the manifestation of God in the earth, in time and eternity. He is the manifestation of the invisible God in time and eternity. So if the love of Christ, if we're in the love, if we're in Christ, we're in the love of Christ. If Christ is in us, the love of the love of Christ is in us. And nothing can separate us from that. God has promised. So if he won't take his love from us, and it's certain that he will not, then how do we get separated from his love? Because we choose to separate ourselves from his love, and he will not violate our will. His will is for everybody to be saved. He loves everybody. It's his will for everybody to be saved. Both Titus and Second Peter make those statements. Other places uh, say something similar as it's the will of God for all men to be saved. Peter says it's not the will of God that any man should perish. For God so loved the, the world, the whole world, that he gave his only begotten son. So if that's the case, then if I don't, if I'm not living in the love of God, and if the love of God is not living in me, the only reason that's the case is I made the choice to walk away from the love of God. Now, people say, well, God still loves the, the person that's walked away. Yes, he does. In the same exact way he loves the sinner that's never known him. He loves us. But he can't save us against our will. And if I get saved and change my mind, God didn't change his. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. That means the word repentance there means to change your mind. God can't change his mind about loving us. He created all this because he loved us. He can't change. God can't change. But he does respond to our decisions of our will because we were made in the image of God. Angels weren't given a will that they had a right to exercise. That's why Lucifer and one-third of the angels got kicked out of heaven because that's what they did. But God made us in his image and the most significant part of us that's like God is the ability to choose. And in this period of time called life, this temporal life, he will not violate your choice. You choose, he's all there for you. He'll do anything he can for you. He'll help you through everything. Allows us to go through th stuff to teach us and, and to, to mold us and make us, but he will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He's with us always, even unto the end. But if I choose to walk away, Paul said he closed out 
uh, believe it was First uh, Corinthians chapter 16, I believe it is, uh, he closed it out with saying, If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema maranatha. So loving God isn't by my definition and by my uh, uh, criteria of what is love to God. The only love I give to God that he accepts is the love that passes his criteria, that meets his expectations. That's the only love. And if any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's writing this to the church. First Corinthians is written to the church. Not just to the church at Corinth, but to the church. That's why it's in the Bible. All that stuff is written toward us too. And so he said, if any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema, Maranatha. Anathema is the word that means let him be accursed. Maranatha means the Lord cometh. Nothing can separate you and I from the love of Christ but us. And if I don't choose to be separated from the love of Christ, even when I'm struggling, even when I'm going through difficulties, God will never give up on us. He will never stop dealing with us. He will never stop stirring us. He will never stop trying to help us until I convince him it's no use. I'm not responding. God's love is just that constant. It's just that constant. So if you're not where you need to be God with God today, that's your choice, not his. If you happen to be watching this and you're a backslider and you just don't feel like God loves you and anybody else loves you either. If God is love, you can't receive love from the people of God because you don't receive love from God. And people say, well, you people don't love anybody. Uh, just like God, we're trying. We're trying to love you. But if you won't receive love from God, you're not going to receive love from us no matter how hard we try. So if you are separated from the love of Christ today and you have known that love in the past, it's by your choice. The good news is all you have to do is change your mind and say, I don't want to live like this anymore. The love of Christ will be there instantly in manifestation to help you through the process of complete restoration to his love because he never wanted you to be without it in the first place. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that you and I will receive the grace of God to be able to believe and to experience and, and trust in the love of the Lord Jesus Christ for us, which is the love of the Father manifested to us in temporal time and space. Receive it in Jesus' name. Believe it in Jesus' name. Be restored to the love of God in Jesus' name. God bless you.